Welcome to Firehouse Forum Podcast. It's a new Firehouse Theater production coming to you from the historic and iconic decommissioned fire station on Broad Street near VCU in Richmond. I'm David Timberline. I'm the Community Engagement Manager here at the Firehouse. And this podcast is just one of several ways I'm going to be working to engage the community here in Central Virginia. I'm a podcast nerd. I've been all in with podcasts before everyone went, went apeshit about cereal a couple years back. Um, so Joel Basson, the artistic director here at Firehouse, basically gave in to my constant chattering about podcasts and allowed me to try to get something going. So I'm here with the help of Ryan Deigert, our audio whiz, and we're going to give it a whirl. Uh, maybe it'll crash and burn, but in the meantime, I'm going to try to have some fun, and if it does crash and burn, I'm just going to blame Ryan. My plan is to talk about the performing, the local performing arts scene, what's happening, where it's going, and how we can get more people to come out and enjoy some of the incredible work being produced right here in town. This is our first episode, so where exactly we go with it from here will likely grow and change over time. But there are some pretty fascinating people involved in the performing arts in Richmond, so rather than have me ramble on with my random thoughts, I'm going to be inviting in all sorts of folks will have much more interesting things to say than I than I do. For instance, for this show, here's who I'll be talking to. Uh, we're we're going to be talking to DJ Gray, who you may know as the artistic director at Theater Lab. He also directed Hillary and Clinton for Hat Theater uh, last year, or just just this past couple months. And he will be directing. I'm going to pray for you so hard for Theater Lab in February. Some of you may not know that he was just elected the president of the RVA Theater Alliance. So I'm going to be talking to him about that, as well as his directing and his thoughts about theater. Then, in a segment I'm tentatively calling Aren't They Awesome? I'm going to be talking to the actress Jessie Johnson. She's going to be appearing here at the Firehouse in Mary C. Brown and the Hollywood Sign, a production that opens on December 8th, runs for two weekends. And you will probably know Jesse Johnson from all the other shows that she has been doing in the past two years, working nearly constantly. Um, shows like Cloud Nine, It Should Have Been You, Psycho Beach Party, Carolina Change, and then her RTCC winning performance in Mr. Burns, a post-electric play at Theater Lab. So DJ and I will be talking about just how awesome Jesse is and see how she responds to that. Finally, I'll be talking to Kerrigan Sullivan, who will be directing the amazing Bianca Bryan in Firehouse's February production, The Musical Wings. Uh, Kerrigan is the department chair for the performing arts and a professor of theater at John Tyler Community College. So we'll be talking about her academic career, her approach to directing, and um, anything else we can think of. All right, so let's get to it. So we're here with DJ Gray, who everybody knows as the artistic director of Theater Lab, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Well, we might talk <laughs> a little about that. Mostly, we're going to talk about uh, RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> that we <coughs> were both at the show last week. Have? What? Pardon me. How much time do you have? Because I can talk about it. For well, I was going to say we've got about fifty minutes to talk. Do you want to talk about it the whole time or just about the first ten minutes? The entire time. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it was a great time. <laughs> okay, we've done. Um, so. One of the main things I want to talk to you about is that you are the newly elected president of the Richmond, Virginia, RVA Theater Alliance. So um, besides wielding your power indiscriminately, <laughs> what is your... First of all, a lot of people don't know that there is a theater alliance. Correct. So if you can tell me a little bit 
and our listeners, our millions of listeners, mm -hmm. um, what the Theater Alliance is and what you're going to do now that you're president. Sure. World domination. Okay. Uh, free pizza for everyone. Oh, man. Um, well, you know, I Sign was, um, I was uh, vice president of uh, the SCA when I was in elementary school. Okay. So this is just a long time coming of needing wow. to empower my whole life. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you plotted this for a yeah, long it's, time. It's been Jeez. going for a long time. Okay. Um, well, the RVA Theater Alliance is a network of all the professional theater companies in town. And essentially, we share resources and we have bi-monthly meetings to get together and talk about what's going on, ways that we can collaborate, uh, ways that we can build community. And um, it, it's been around for a while, but my excitement moving forward and being president is making sure that more people know about it. Right. I mean, my number one goal is just visibility and raising awareness around the group. Um, I think when you can build community uh, in a way that creates more opportunities for people right. um, that then kind of turns around and creates more opportunities and builds community. So, so it's a rising tide lift all boats kind absolutely. of thing? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And I think that, you know, I think that we are all much stronger together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, hey, which wait, is I've heard that before. Yeah, it's timely. <laughs> um, and, and I think that when we work together and when we collaborate, we kind of get to show off the best parts of Richmond. So, um, and I think it's an exciting time in Richmond theater right now. You know, you see more partnerships and collaborations right. kind of more than ever. Cool. Um, so this is, I think, a great way for us to continue to move in that direction um, on behalf of the entire community. So I should have you on the podcast like every time. So you Please. Can <laughs> and I can talk about RuPaul every oh. single time a little bit. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, one of the things that I think you're probably interested in, well, I was hired here at Firehouse mm -hmm. to build our audience, to sure. try to you know, expand the audience to whatever extent I can. I think that's probably something you're considering thinking about as for the Theater Alliance, sure. as well as artistic director for Theater Lab. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts about ways that you know all of the theaters in town and the Theater Alliance can do that, build audiences, bring in new people, things like that? Sure. Well, I mean, audience cultivation is a really complicated conversation right. because you have to step back and take a look at theater as an art form and right. who goes to the theater and why do they go to the theater. Um, and there is this really great legacy uh, specifically in America as, mm -hmm. you know, theater being kind of the great American pastime. Right. And so you have to really kind of pay attention to um, what other great American pastimes are there now and kind of look around at our society and see that, you know, no one has to leave their house anymore. Like, you really don't yeah. have to leave your house. True. So how do you encourage people to go out and spend money and uh, go to the theater? Right. And, um, so commit it, it's their time, commit their, you know, Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so it's, uh, um, you know, I think all of us who, who run theater companies are constantly thinking of, you know, how can we convince people to come out and spend their time with us? Right. So audience cultivation is a much larger conversation, um, I think, for all arts and culture organizations. Um, but one way that we're really excited to build audience is finding ways to collaborate and kind of mix our audiences. Hmm. Um, because every theater company kind of has their group of people that come and see their shows, sure. um, which is great. But if we can all build those groups, then the entire group of people who are going to see theater in our community at large um, grows as well, which is kind of ideal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so you're... A younger guy, <laughs> younger than me, which is not <laughs> saying much. But um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping, or I'm assuming that you're more in touch with a younger crowd of people. Is there a, a way that you are thinking you can reach younger audiences that are, is different than older audiences or sure. tradi traditional audiences? Yeah. Well, you know, and you know, we always talk about like the capital M word, the yeah. millennial word, and it's yeah. like you know, 
every business is like, how can we kind of, you know, tap into that group? And again, you know, you know, I don't want to hate on Netflix because I've definitely binge watched my fair share <laughs> of, you know, shows on Netflix, but it really is. Um, it's changed the way that people go out um, and, you know, entertain themselves. Sure. Um, so, for, I mean, I can, of course, only speak from my experience running Theater Lab. Um, I can't, you know, speak for other organizations. Um, but tapping into a younger audience, I think, is an objective for all organizations. Right. Uh, because you always have to think about the future. You have to think about who's coming to see your shows in a year, you right. know? Who's coming to see your shows in five years? Who's going to support your organization in 10 years and right. beyond? Yeah. Um, and I think there are a lot of different tactics for ways that you can engage people. But uh, at Theater Lab, our number one... Um, I don't know. The thing that makes us the most excited when it comes to reaching new audiences is creating an experience for them, you know, and anyone who's familiar with theater lab or coming to the basement knows that we try to change the seating configuration every single time. We like people to kind of come in and not know what they're going to be expecting. Part of the excitement of coming to theater lab for me has always been like, so what's it going to look like this time? Yeah. Where am I going to be sitting? Am I going to be moving? Am I going to be, what's going to be happening? Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) and, and I think, um, kind of, dedicating yourself to the experience that people are going to have is is important um so that's something that we try to kind of keep in mind but also you know producing work that is is relevant to your audience and thinking about you know what your audience cares about seeing is important um but what is interesting for me and my audience is going to be different from what's interesting to other audiences in town um so i don't know i think it's um i think it's a difficult thing to unpack um specifically because getting people to leave their homes is difficult, right? you know? And so you have to invest in ways that are going to keep people excited and keep them interested and keep them coming back. Right. Um, the thing that I have found really interesting over the past couple of years running Theater Lab is we have so many people who come to everything that we do, but don't necessarily become season subscribers. Huh. Um, and you don't really know why, because, right. you know, to me, They're it's like... They're doing it anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and also, like, you save money by buying tickets in advance, and it's great for theater companies because we get to have that money up front, which right. is great because it helps support you know, production costs and, you know, paying our artists and all of that. So, um, wait, you, you pay your, <laughs> right. Exactly. Jeez, okay. <laughs> 75 cents and a <laughs> box of, you know, checks mix. Um, no, but I mean, it's, it's something that is, that is really important for, for all of us. Um, so it, it, it's interesting to kind of pay attention to trends. You know, I know Firehouse uh, does a membership program, which is really exciting because then people can kind of come see whatever they want to, whenever right. they want to, which Absolutely. is really cool. Um, and, you know, that's that's a trend that is happening with, you know, a lot of companies now, too. So it's it's really interesting to kind of step back and look at other models and ways that people engage um, audiences. Um, so this is a really, really kind of like long answer um, <laughs> to, to your initial question. Um, but audience cultivation is just really difficult because people don't like buying tickets in advance. Right. You know, people don't like doing that. You know, I always freak yeah. out on like the Monday before a Friday night show because I'm like, you know, the house Nobody's, isn't full, right. you know, no one wants to come to see the thing. And yeah. then like inevitably, inevitably by Friday it's sold out. And it's right. because people don't know what they're doing. Yep. You know, the way that people plan is different now, the way that people, you know, schedule their lives, just it's different. Yep. Um, it isn't, it isn't the norm for people to like buy their, you know, buy a subscription and like know what, you know, they're doing a year out. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing tonight, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. and, yeah. I, and I think that that's just something that a lot of us have to kind of grapple with. Yeah. Um, and when your business model is, is kind of, um, tied up in people coming to the thing that you're planning on doing, it's like constantly freaking out. Right. Um, 
So I don't know. I mean, it's it's a really <laughs> exciting conversation for sure. Um, but one of the things that we're really excited about with the Alliance is, you know, having more open dialogue with our audiences and saying, you know, what's working, what's not working? How would you like for us to engage with you? You know, are you tired of getting emails from us? Right. Do you want us to like send you text messages? I mean, right. how would you like us to remind you that things are going on? Yeah. I have so many friends who say like, oh my gosh, I missed that show, but I really wanted to see it. Yeah. And like, and you know, <laughs> it's because people have so much going on. Sure. Um, and so trying to find ways to kind of like integrate your schedule into other people's schedules is so difficult. Right. So we want to hear from people and say like, how does it work best for you? Do you want to plan a month out? Do you want to plan a year out? Do you want to plan the day of? Right. Um, and how can we compromise and find ways to like make that work for us as well? Yeah. Because if I don't know if people are going to come to the show that night, like, is the show even going to happen? Right. You know. Um, so I don't know. It's um, it's a, uh, it's a constantly evolving conversation because people change constantly, right. and social norms change constantly, um, and audiences that plan far out, you know that that you know that norm is going away right um so it's um it's interesting you know and, and it's a hard conversation but it's definitely one that is exciting to have um because you know it's our livelihood you know right. the, those of us who are producing theater we need to kind of uh keep up with with those trends and keep up with how people are operating so that we can continue to operate yeah well and it's interesting that you're talking about looking at new models because you know joel bassing here has mm -hmm. he's always talking about you know the membership model yeah, for sure. the, um and it made me think about you're bringing Hedwig back mm -hmm. at Theater yes. Lab. <coughs> and it's the kind of thing where I think, you know, the traditional model is you run a show, you run it for four weeks or mm -hmm. however, and then it closes and it goes away forever. Mm -hmm. And Joel has talked here about, you know, if we have a show, you know, Heather's, which you guys co-produced, sure. was great and people loved it. And But there were still people who, you know, two weeks after it closed were like, what, wait, wait, it's gone? What, mm -hmm. what happened? Mm -hmm. um, so is that part of the reason you're bringing Hedwood back? Did you Was it a popular demand thing or was it? Well, I mean, ever since we did it, people have been like, when are you bringing her back? Oh, okay. um, and, and we, I mean, all of us just, I mean, we love that show. Yeah. I mean, it's still one of, I mean, I'm biased, of course, <laughs> but it's still one of my favorite things that has ever happened sure. <laughs> in my life. But also it's, it's really special because it's the first show that we ever did in the basement. Okay. So, yeah. um, and you know, like Theater Lab is in the midst of a lot of changes right now. And so it's kind of exciting to end this year with the first show that we did in the space. Okay. There's something kind of poetic about that for us. Um, and I mean, Matt Schaffner needs to always play Hedwig. <laughs> as, far, as far as I'm concerned, like, you know, he's very talented, but mm -hmm. like, if he did this for the rest of his life, I think we would all be very happy. Um, and Bianca Bryan is just incredible in it, and the angry Could he edge. do it at Hardywood? Could they just have him at Hardywood? I, I know, right? Just like, just like just, he should just like be Hedwig always. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just the two of them, it was, it was such a special project for a lot of reasons. Um, and the fact that everyone was available to do it again, That's I mean, it amazing. was, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, um, almost the entire team from the original production is back doing it again. So in a lot of ways, it really does feel like a homecoming. It feels like we're all kind of like coming back at the end of the year to celebrate something that was very special and to do it in a new way. I mean, when we did it the first time, like we didn't have bathrooms in the theater. Like people had to go upstairs like, oh, and yeah. use like the bathroom in the building. Like right. <laughs> we talked about like setting up porter potties because we didn't have one, oh, you know, like we didn't have bathrooms in the space. Um, at that point, like we had only like, you know, it was, it was the very first show in, in the space. We had only like raised money for renovations as far as like getting the lights turned on. Wow. Like we hadn't 
put a lot of effort into this. I mean, we yeah. put a lot of effort, but we didn't like. Not a lot had happened in the oh, space yeah. yet. You didn't have the time. Um, exactly. At that point. Yeah. But like aesthetically, it really worked for that show. So it's going to be interesting to see how it works now with this space. I mean, it's still a dirty basement, <laughs> but I mean, like it's not what it was right. when we first started. Um, and so it's it's going to be cool to kind of see how much has changed over the past couple years. Um, and the ways in which this show kind of like will continue to resonate with audiences. Um, but it's also just like a really good show. Yeah. You know, it's a good time. Like regardless sure. of like who's doing it, it's always going to be good. Right. Um, but the team that we put together for it is, is, is just so great. So yes, there was a demand there. It's kind of a happy accident how it kind of happened. Um, you know, we had something planned in the space and it kind of fell through and I was like, we got to have something in December. Like we've <laughs> right. got to do something sure. like what would be a good thing. Yeah. Um, and so, We've been wanting to bring her back anyway, so we were like, let's just see, and it really worked out. So, and it's almost entirely sold out. So, like, if oh, you, really? Already? If you're listening to this and you haven't gotten tickets and you're complaining that you didn't see it the first time, <laughs> well, Mama, you only have, you know, this is it. Sorry. So, go get your tickets, please. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, so it's a happy accident for everybody. Oh my goodness, yeah. It's very yeah, cool. I'm thrilled. All right. Well, um, I think we'll probably have to wrap it up. Uh, Hedwig opens on December 8th on Friday. Mm -hmm. Only runs for two weekends. Mm -hmm. If you're, if you like DJ says, if you don't have tickets, you may be out of luck. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but go see it if you can. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. Now we're here with the wonderful, phenomenal Jesse Johnson. Hello. Um, in a segment I'm calling "She's So Awesome." Oh. Um, <laughs> Sweet. And luckily, DJ is stuck around, so he can talk about why. He thinks she's so awesome. She's so awesome. Isn't Aww. she awesome? She's so awesome. How <laughs> sweet, you guys. <laughs> well, and we were just trying to talk about what what the first thing we saw you in was, both DJ and I. And I, so I know you went to Longwood. Yes. Graduated in 2011. Yes. So were you working here while you were at Longwood or? The very first job I had, yeah. I actually toured for Theater 4. Oh, uh, yeah. Ford Flanagan hired me right out of school, and I toured for about two years. Okay. Uh, and then after that, my first professional gig here in town, uh, the people at home can't see those air quotes, <laughs> um, I worked at the Children's Theater, and I did... Um, the Little Red Hen. Oh boy. Um, and then after that, I got a few more shows at the Children's Theater. And, uh, you know, the rest is we move into current time. Okay. Well, cool. Well, that, the first show, well, the first show I remember really, I mean, I think I saw you in Color Purple and I saw mm -hmm. you in Caroline and Change. Mm -hmm. um, I remember you most succinctly in, um, in, Forgetting it. <laughs> um, I remember you most succinctly in Psycho Beach Party. Oh, what a great Ooh. show! Because that was the that was the moment that I was like, "Who the hell is that?" Because <laughs> she is amazing. Which, who people don't know, she played a movie star who visits the beach, and she basically is just all sorts of fabulous. And that you was were a great just role. Um, so. I really. So, what was the first show that you remember seeing, Jesse? I actually remember seeing you in the Maggie Walker story. That's right. Okay. At um at the Children's Theater, and I was like. Who is she? <laughs> um, and, you know, like part of, I mean, part of the gig when you're an artistic director is like being aware of who's around. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was the first time that I saw you. And then I remember seeing you in Psycho Beach. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this girl's amazing. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then um, I was like, okay, well, what am, what am I going to do with her? <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think maybe the first thing that I saw you do was Busy Town. Busy Town. And that's when we like hung out. Yes, that's how we met. That's that summer. Uh-huh. That's how we became friends because you, uh, you were in that show with like, um, Dan Simo. Dan Simo. Allison Page Gilman. Uh-huh. Yes. And, and y'all would just hang out at my apartment. That's right. <laughs> That's that right. is the first time. That is. Yeah. 
That was the first experience we had together. That's it. Oh, that's very cool. And it's been a fast friendship ever since. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the reasons I think you're so awesome is that in a show like you just did, um, Cloud Nine, mm-hmm. and which, for people who don't know, in Cloud Nine, everybody plays a different role in the second act than they did in the first act. You play a kind of patrician, <laughs> you know, colonial era white yeah. grandmother in yes. the first, and then you play a very kind of hip lesbian mother in the second act. Yes. Um, so, and you just totally, and this was true with Psycho Beach Party, you just totally own the roles that you are in, everything that I've seen you in. And, Thank um, you. you know, I d- there's no, I, I don't see acting. It's just, you are that person. <laughs> so, um, how, <laughs> this is a, probably a ridiculous question, but how do you do that? <laughs> uh, for me, uh, I think it's important that for any actor or performer, that they come from a place that is not disingenuous. Hmm. Uh, You can't think about it as in, oh, I want to step into this role. I want to embody this person. You have to think about this person's objectives, um, what they want, um, not only in the scene, what they want uh, for themselves uh, throughout the story. Um, And you have to think about the decisions that they would make, not so much the decisions that are going to highlight your assets as a performer. You have to really think about, you know, the desires and the wants of this character and make decisions according to that. So for me, um, that's how I stay true to uh, the characters that I embody. And is that something that you developed in school as part of your training, or is that something that you felt like you've always kind of... (sighs) To be honest, it's a work in progress. Um, I definitely learned those techniques um, formally through education, uh, through higher education. But also, I I think that it's, as most artists should, I would hope, um, it's it's always a a work in progress. I'm always learning, oh, this is something that I can uh, incorporate into character analysis and development. Oh, this is something that I can glean from here, or a book, or an article that I've read online. Um, so I think it's a hodgepodge of formal education and a constant desire to always take in and learn. Cool. So now, have, when when did you first get interested in acting? Have you been? Were you one of those kids who, in well, elementary school was? You know, <laughs> Interestingly enough, uh, when people ask me uh, what I do or who I am, I always put vocalist at the top of my resume. Oh, I'm a vocalist, mm-hmm. and then I am um, an actor. Um, so I grew up singing. My grandmother was actually the organist and pianist of our church choir in the Mount Carmel Baptist Church for over 60 years. She mm-hmm. taught me everything I know about music, taught me how to read music, taught uh-huh. me about musicality. Um, so I grew up uh, singing in church, and I would visit local churches or travel a lot because my sister and I um, were requested. My sister, her name is Samantha Willis. She's actually a writer now. Um, but yeah, she... Uh, Yes, Uh, she plays the piano as well, so it was very uh, symbiotic, our relationship. So I grew up into music, and uh, through that, I got the acting bug maybe in middle school, high school. I always wanted to, but I was so shy, and I was so dedicated to my musicianship that I almost didn't want to betray it or cheat on it. Uh, But then I realized that there's this happy marriage where you can have both. Very cool. So um, another great role that you had, the role that won you an RTCC award was in Mr. Burns, the post-electric play um, that Theater Lab did. So can you, DJ, what did you think about Jesse in that role? Um, I thought everything about her. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, and and that is a play, too, that kind of spans time. And um, it required a cast of actors 
who could really listen to one another. And um, I thought that that ensemble was just, you know, so excellent. Um, and what's really, really great about Jesse in that show is that she didn't even show up until the second act. Like the <laughs> first act, she wasn't even around. No. And then the second act started and suddenly there was this woman and you're like, who is she? Right. Um, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where'd she come um, from? <laughs> but I mean, um, it's such a weird play. Very um, weird. But, but that, that play is such a love letter to uh, the art form of theater right. and kind of how necessary theater is and how storytelling is so just like ingrained in the human experience. Yes. And so I needed to have, I needed to cultivate a cast of people who um, were amazing theater artists um, who, uh, who understood story and understood uh, the importance of ensemble. And Jesse is just someone who just like is so present and is like always like listening and you know like you said you know it's it's an ongoing process of of kind of like um, incorporating what you know about the world and kind of infusing it into your storytelling and into your craft mm-hmm. um, and so I mean it also I think was the first time that audiences got to see how strong of an actor and how strong of a singer she is because right. in the second act there's this kind of like musical montage moment yes and. I mean, it was one of my favorite parts of the show. Every single night was just watching her sing her butt off. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that that was, and, and someone in some review somewhere um, <laughs> from the show was like, this was like the perfect vessel. Um, you know, Jesse was the perfect vessel for this role and uh, kind of vice versa because it was really kind of the first time that we got to see her um, do so, m- I mean, we really utilized her skills yes. properly with with that piece, I think. Yes. And um, you know, of course, I was so excited to see her, you know, be nominated and then to win. Um, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, and it's always so. And I'm going to pretend like Jesse's not sitting right here, but it's always so wonderful to see people um, uh, being praised uh, when they're just good people, okay. you know, and they're just so much fun to to work with. And like, we had a really difficult process with that show. Um, because I mean, it was it was a really hard play. It was like the biggest show that Theater Lab had ever done, and the you theater know, was under construction as well at the same time. I mean, time. Oh, yeah. renovations going on. I yeah. mean, it was just wild. And I mean, anytime an artistic director is also directing that show, like something's got to give, you know, um, because you can't be artistic director and also director of the play at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. So like I was kind of pulled in a lot of directions. Like it was the biggest cast that we'd ever had. You know, that's a three act play, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, some crazy person named me um, <laughs> decided that decided that every act was going to be in a different staging configuration too so i mean it was just like a very hard process um and just like for jesse to be just like so pleasant and just so like excited about the experience and like just like you know to just be like so thrilled to be doing theater um it's it's so easy um when you are working so hard to like sometimes forget why you do what you do. Um, Yeah, you know, because it's so so difficult. And like, you know, it's like, wow, wow, wow. You know, oh, you know, I get to play pretend for a living. But it's like, (laughs) but it can can just be like so emotionally draining and just so difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like if you, if you don't have what it takes, not only to, to, uh, to, to do the work and to, to show up and be present, but also to have a good attitude and just like be so yeah. pleased with the fact that I get to do this. Yeah. Um, it's just, is so refreshing. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been such a pleasure, you know, getting to, getting to know Jesse and getting to see her in that show. And, um, I love that play. I thought that was a great play. <laughs> I love it too. I love it, it too. It was weird, but it's Love the cool. play. Love theater lab. <laughs> love you. it. Thanks. Well, and so that is a show that draws from the, I'm not going to, Totally recount it, but mm-hmm. it draws from The Simpsons, the cartoon TV show, mm-hmm. um, which got me thinking. So, you know, for you've done Maggie Walker mm-hmm. and you know things like Cloud Nine or It Should Have Been You. Do you spend much time as an actor, like 
did you watch The Simpsons? Did you do you, <laughs> you know look at uh, videos of you know what people were like in the 1800s for? You uh, know, fun fact: like I had mm. never seen a single episode of The Simpsons before Mr. Burns. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah. I was I actually my sister and I were not allowed to watch it growing oh. up. My parents oh. thought that Bart Simpson was very smart mouthed and disrespectful, uh, but I did a little character mm -hmm. development. Um, but because of the circumstances, and in the third act, it's 75 years ahead in the future and uh, so forth, I, I didn't delve too deeply into trying to exactly replicate Bart Simpson, mm -hmm. um, but I definitely gleaned from his mannerisms, and uh, I think that speaks to most of the plays I do. I don't want to be a carbon copy of anyone. Um, I, I certainly want to do my due diligence as an artist, um, and I want to do my research, but I definitely have to um, take that time, make those decisions, figure out where this character is as an individual, not just their circumstances. Oh, it's this time. It's the 1800s. I, I, again, it goes back to really um, creating these characters from scratch and realizing that they are individuals. So yes, right. uh, to answer that, yes, research. Um, but with research, it's like following a recipe, hmm. okay? You follow right. your recipe, you put your ingredients in, but then you take some of your own seasonings and spices that you know would go well with it, right. and you, you mix it in. That's cool. I'm glad, I, as a critic, I use food metaphors all the time. So <laughs> it's like, great. Oh, that's, that's great. I'm going to put that one down. I'll use that a little bit later. Um, well, and, and I mean, one of the things that was really cool about that process, too, is, and oh my gosh, it feels like a thousand years ago. Yeah, it does. It really feels so but long it was ago. Like yeah. two years yeah, ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Um, but I mean... One of the things that was really cool about that, and, and something that I told them to kind of resist, was kind of like copying these characters because that's not. What, I mean, the play's not about the Simpsons. Right. You know, that is that is a play that's about like the importance of storytelling. And you know, mm -hmm. and the you know, again, I won't you know, rehash. Yeah, the whole <laughs> thing. But I mean, the first act is a group of people who were survivors of the apocalypse trying to remember an episode of the Simpsons. Right. So it's not about the right. Simpsons. It's about memory. Right. Um, and so. You know, a lot of the people in the cast didn't know. I mean, like Maggie Babalak and Evan Nastaf were, you know, they are Simpsons characters. So like, <laughs> they, yeah, like they, yeah. they knew about it, but there were a lot of people like you and Audra Honecker did it. I mean, they didn't know the Simpsons really. Right. Um, so it was, it was cool to kind of be like, what is this actually about? This right. is about memory. This is about the importance of storytelling. It's not really about that. So, um, but for her to still kind of like put out this amazing performance where she was playing like this little boy from a cartoon, yeah. uh, <laughs> was just like amazing. So. A it's a moment. testament to her skill and, uh, oh, and her, uh, her uh, passion as an artist. Oh, thank you. Very nice. Um, well, now I'm going to put you on the spot. Now, you pretend the DJ is not here. Okay. What is the, so since you've been working in Richmond and you've been in, you know, at least, I don't know, a dozen plays maybe? Yeah. Um, what's one of the favorite, one of the favorite roles that you've played and why? Um, I would absolutely have to say, hands down, playing Annie Shepard, and it should have been you at mm. Richmond Triangle Players uh, this past summer. And one of the reasons for that would be the ensemble was so strong in yeah. that cast that it was literally no effort. Uh, I could have uh, woken up in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. and been ready to <laughs> let my feet hit the boards. It was so effortless. Um, and I, I think the bond that we had as a cast, it, it, I can't speak enough to... Um, the energy and the love that was flowing uh, on the stage. So I mean, it, it, it was a joy. It was a, it was an incredible experience. No, One of my great. favorite experiences, hands down. Very cool. All right, yeah. you can pretend you, DJ's back. I love that play. <laughs> I love that. No, but I mean, but I mean, I think that's. 
And that's like a recurring theme that is so important. I mean, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, audience cultivation and talking about community Mm -hmm. and all of these Mm -hmm. things. I mean, like, you have to love doing what you're doing. And what I loved when I came and saw that show was everyone was just having so much fun doing that show. And you could just feel (laughs) the love. It was palpable. You could feel the love coming from that group. And I mean, like, you really couldn't have put together a better production of that show. I mean, it was, I mean, it was, and then like you and Duran's number was just so good. (laughs) It was Um, Fun. So, and and when you and you can feel that, like people feel authentic authenticity when they're watching a show. You can yes. just feel when people are loving doing what they're doing. You yes. know, and that was a show that it was just, it was, I mean, so seeped down into the very yes. being of it. it. Was just like you know the the love for the project. You yeah. Know? So that we was a. That's, that's celebrating important. ourselves, celebrating mm. the show, celebrating love. And it was a show that, that spoke to so many different things, to race, to sexuality, to classism. All of these different issues uh, were happening inside of this one show. And, and the, the characters were so flawless. The performers who were embodying those characters were so amazing. Uh, best experience. <laughs> one of the best experiences I've had in town, hands that's down. That's great. Yeah. Great. Well, let's talk about the next project you're working on, um, Mary C. Brown and the Hollywood Sign. Yes. Which is going to be at the Firehouse in December. Yes, it is. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Alrighty. Um, <laughs> story time, a little bit of backstory. It was written by a musician and a songwriter um, named Dory Previn. Um, Dory had uh, some ins and outs as she were was finding her way and navigating her way through um, stardom in Hollywood. Um, and it is about a woman named Mary Cecilia Brown. It's actually based off of a, a, a woman who was actually named, a, a real-life woman who was named Mary Cecilia Brown, who committed suicide by jumping off of the Hollywood sign in the Jeez. Hollywood Hills. So Dory Previn became very inspired um, by that and, and wrote uh, this music, which was an album first, and then uh, it, uh, she wrote the book for it. And it was supposed to debut on Broadway, but when it opened in Los Angeles, it didn't um, fare too well. So it uh, never got the chance to get up on its feet. But this is a very exciting project. Um, The music is absolutely beautiful, very pensive, uh, very provocative. Um, The characters are very well fleshed out. um, And and, um, George Boyd, who is directing it, had a very close relationship with Dory Previn. They were close friends in real life. So he's very dedicated and passionate about the project. And that... Uh, is translating into how he is directing mm-hmm. all of us. And I, I'm just, I'm super thrilled to play Mary and to take a part in it. And uh, some of the people in the cast, their voices, oh, they sound <laughs> they sound phenomenal. I, I can't wait for the curtain to go up and for us to present what we've been working on to the public. Mm-hmm. I think everybody's going to really enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's one of those shows that you wa- you look at the cast list and you're like, I mean, starting with Jesse Johnson, <laughs> okay, I, I want to see that. Dan yeah. Simo's in it. Kelsey Cordray. Yeah. Mm. Rachel Rose Gilmore, right. Matt Paulson. I mean, it's it's going to be amazing. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, well, that's going to open on Saturday. December 9th. <laughs> okay. Thank you <laughs> for no saving me there. Um, <laughs> all right. I think that's going to be a wrap for us. Well, thanks so much for having me. No, thank, thank you, you thank so you, much for you. coming in. I really appreciate it. Okay, we are here with Kerrigan Sullivan. She is the department chair for for performing arts for the John Tyler Community College, and she will be directing Wings for Firehouse in February. Yay! Yes, we're all very excited about that. So, um, first of all, as a professor of uh, in at a college, 
um, dealing with college students. I wanted to ask you, do millennials suck really as much <laughs> as everybody says? No. Short answer, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, more complicated answer. Well, of course, in some ways, but mm. no. I mean, I... I uh, well, everybody sucks yeah, Exactly. Some way. That's all I have to say. So, here's, so first of all, every generation has stuff, right? right? Every generation has some kind of baggage or tagline that, that we have decided to... Uh, you saddle know, to, 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 to saddle them with, right. yes. But I would say, I mean, I actually, uh, I'm a parent, I, a parent of two teenage boys and, and a younger daughter right now too. So I'm dealing with both the, my sons who are in high school, you know, and then the college students that I have. And it's, it's, um, it's great, but it's right. very challenging sometimes. Right. And I feel like I've come to a point where I've realized that there are just some things that I'm not going to get. Okay. Um, uh, I, I asked my son to explain Snapchat to me, um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I still don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, we sat down, I'm like, I don't, tell me why you like this so right. much. Yes. Tell me why. Right. I'm trying to understand. And we, he explained it. you have it. to take a picture of yourself every 15 minutes? This is the thing. <laughs> so this is what drives me crazy about right. it, is I have no desire to send somebody a message with my face. Right. I just don't. Like, I don't. And then I feel weird, like taking a picture of my knee or something, you know, <laughs> right. or your um, food or whatever. My right. food. I mean, I just, it's, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, so I think that I have to just accept that I'm not going to get it. Right. Um, and also realize that that's okay. Right. And that I can still appreciate their unique ways. Um, and actually I'm trying to, uh, not only appreciate, but I'm trying to sort of figure out, okay, so how can we, how do I turn that into, a strength, something that I can use, okay. something that can actually be beneficial instead of me going like, you know, grumpy old Put professor. Away your phone. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you on your phone all the time? You know, and I and I, you know, I think a lot of my colleagues struggle with this. And I think different classes have different expectations. Um, but I have been fortunate enough in my classes because we do have a lot of um, you know, we don't have a lot of boundaries and rules in, in say, improv class, right? Okay, right. Um, now, I did have to put, like, a codicil in my syllabus saying, like, about taping and about okay. people's images. And we have to talk about that. Right. Because it's actually, you know, it is, it's, a, it's a complicated thing. Because, you know, they come in and they've got the phones and they're going to Snapchat, um, you know, a piece that we're doing. And part of that is great because I'm like, hey, it generates excitement in the class. Absolutely. It's, um, it gets us uh, people to come see, like, the final performances. It's it's certainly much more effective than me putting up, you know, a flyer <laughs> right. or being like, hey, come to my class, you sure. know, whatever. But on the flip side of that, too, I want to make sure that, like, you know, if there's somebody that is more private, that doesn't really want, you know, to be snapped chatted, snapped, tweeted, whatever good. we're doing, you right. know, um, around that I'm also respectful of that. Right. So I think that it's, it's kind of a moving target and it's something that, um, I'm enjoying kind of struggling with. And I have to fight the instinct to be like the grumpy old professor and be sure. like, why are you looking at your phones, right. you know, and realize that that's just something that I don't get. I don't get that. And that how can I channel that and use it, um, you know, use it for good right. rather than evil. I don't know. Right. Well, and, and <laughs> you know. Yeah, and sounding like you can also channel the performative aspect of social media just exactly. in general. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's kind of what I'm wrestling with. I do not have an answer for it right now. Okay. I'm still struggling with that because I do think there are times where we do need to put away our phones. Right. And we need to focus on the scene and the stuff we're doing. But um, so I think it's hard. And I think I'm, I'm struggling with it just like everyone else is. But I would say that millennials are just are wonderful, beautiful people by and large. It's just that, you know, they have a different uh, set of, you know, they've grown up in a different world. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, I look at my five-year-old who has really grown up in a different world. 
Right. And, uh, you know, she'll just swipe and talk to devices <laughs> and, it, and gets upset, you know, surprised when they don't talk back. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, OK, what is that world like? You yeah. know, <laughs> when well, she gets to be a, a teenager, it's like, what's that going to be like? Right. So it's an interesting thing. Yeah. And our expectations are, you know. I don't know. I'm probably older than you are, but you know, my expectations are 40 years old at this point. Exactly. So. And <laughs> yeah. I didn't grow up with this stuff. And, and I, and like I say, you know, I have to fight that knee jerk reaction because my reaction is like, well, they're not engaged. Right. But I think what I'm learning is that they may be engaged just in a different way that right. I'm not going to get. And so I have to both sort of fight my initial like reaction to it coming, being in a different, you know, generation, different era or whatever. Um, but also try to figure out, okay, so how do we actually make this work well for both of us? You know, and I think there's a middle ground there. Well, good. Well, we're supposed to be talking about theater. Oh yeah. You know that. (laughs) um, One of the things that, uh, I have realized in talking to more and more people is that when you mention a director, a lot of people don't know what a director does. (laughs) So you're going to be directing wings. What is it that you do as part of directing a show? I think that the the job of a director is somewhat mysterious, and there's a lot of different reasons for that. Um, one is that we aren't in the rehearsal space, so as an audience member, you're coming into a project, and you maybe you know it. it the the director may sometimes be invisible. Right. Sometimes there's a production, and sometimes the best productions are ones where you don't really see the direction, you right. know, so much. And the other thing is that um, the idea of having a director is is really, if you look at the timeline of theater in general you know, starting back with the Greeks or even before that. But um, the idea of having a director as an independent person who puts the show together is really a relatively new concept. Really? You had, um, you know, actors who would fulfill that role or that, you know, you hear about Shakespeare being an actor manager. Okay. So it's like, you know, the actors in the performance would sort of do the logistical stuff, right? Like, you know, here, we're going to stand here and we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to say the line and we're going to go out this way so we don't crash into each other and this is when we're going to rehearse and sort of like that, that part of it. But the idea of having someone who actually looks after the art artistic whole is an idea that came about, you know, relatively recently, within the last, say, 150 years there, give or take, give or take, give or take. But that idea, so there's there's kind of different roles a director does. One is that we do make sure that people know where to walk <laughs> right. and where to stand, and we don't crash into each other backstage, and that we know when we're rehearsing, and we know who's saying what, and, you know, logistical stuff, right? Okay. But the bigger part of a director, and the, the part that's more, you know, creatively challenging, is the idea that director is kind of like you know, the CEO or the captain of the ship where you have a lot of moving parts and pieces and the director's the one who says, this is the, this is the vision. This is the story we want to tell. This is how we want to tell it and helps those, all those elements work together. Okay. And in concert, you know, and that includes all the technical elements, all the actors on stage, even, you know, working with um, getting audiences in, how we promote the show, you know, all these little bitty pieces. And the director ideally is sort of um, you know, heading up and keeping a unified whole, a unified vision, and how to tell that story effectively. And it's different based on different texts. It's different based on different, you know, spaces and actors and all kinds of different factors. Okay. So I think the thing that has always been really um, intriguing to me about directing is that it is never the same. Okay. I might be fulfilling the same functions with some tweaks, but it's never the same, and my way of approaching it is never the same. So did I imagine there's some directors who are very detail-oriented and want to really get into the weeds, mm-hmm. and others who are mm-hmm. more hands-off and, mm-hmm. you know... 
provide a big vision and everybody just kind of either right. falls in line? Yeah. Are you one I'd, or the other? I'd say I'm probably in the or? middle. I mean, yeah. I am definitely a planner and organizer. I'm somebody that has color codes and I do a lot. Mm. I do a lot of homework as a director. I always feel like if I've got, you know, it's the same as teaching. If you've got an hour class or an hour of rehearsal, you really want to put two hours of prep into that most times. Now, okay. that isn't true for every single step of the process. And there may be some times where I've put in 10 hours and there may be some times where I'm going to fly by the seat of my pants because I've right. already put in the 10 hours. But um, but I'm a strong believer in director homework because I do think that that's where that unified vision comes about is for me to really know the script and know the stuff and have ideas and come in with them. But I don't tend to come in most shows and and say, okay, here's exactly what we're going to do. You're okay. going to move there. You're going to stand there. You're going to do that. We I tend to like to ask questions. I tend to like to guide actors towards the solutions that I have sort of thought about in my head. And then a lot of times they'll come up with stuff that surprises me that's even better. Okay. Um, and so I do like to work, you know, collaboratively for most stuff. But it really does also depend on the project. You know, if you've got a show and you've got a week and a half of rehearsal, there's not going to be as much, as much exploration right. as if you have, you know, six months of rehearsal. Um, usually it's somewhere <laughs> in between. Those are right. extreme examples. Okay. But, you know, I mean, I do enjoy, my favorite way to work is really collaboratively and mm -hmm. to let actors find stuff. But I do like to have a framework in which to guide them. I don't like to just be like, hey, let's, let's mess around for a little while and see if anything good comes out of it. I like to have a little bit more focus than that, okay. if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Well, and so you have so with Wings, um, you're going to be directing Bianca Bryan, who's yes, awesome, <laughs> um, and she. I, I I don't know the show that well, but yeah. is it mainly focused on her? And so have you started yeah. talking with her and Very much. working out the vision? So, with so her? the great thing, and this is a really. Um, I mean, I'm so excited to work with Bianca, but the thing that's really, I'd be excited to work with her even if I'd never met her just right. by seeing her work. She's fantastic. But the other thing that's really nice is that Bianca and I have known each other for a number of years and we have daughters who are the same age. And oh, so okay. we are sort of mom friends too, but that gives us a really great base to go into artistic exploration. And we also, we, you know, we talk about theater a lot. We go see shows together. We usher. So we have, we have a lot of sort of um, foundational uh, conversation to sort of build on, you know? Okay. Um, so we've just started talking about the show just really briefly um as you as you probably you know i you know i'm i'm new to this project it's kind of i'm coming in at a different place than most directors come in at right yeah <laughs> but um but i think i'm very fortunate to have um the the cast that i do and i'm looking forward to kind of working with them but um bianca and i've just started talking and chatting about it and it's nice because we actually since we know each other and we see each other on a regular basis we can kind of have these conversations in a m more informal setting just to kind of get the juices flowing okay you know we haven't done anything formal yet we haven't had our first meeting, but I threw a few ideas at her when I saw her at ballet, you know, for our daughters <laughs> last right. week. And I was like, hey, think about this. And I have some more stuff that I'm planning on. Um, I, I, Monday's our ballet day, so okay. I'll see her t I'll see her later <laughs> today. And uh, I have a few things I'm going to throw at her, too. So, you know, I think that the, there's a real neat thing to being able to sort of just get the juices flowing. And really, that's that exploration part that I love and we don't always get enough of because we don't always have enough time. Right. But to be able to say, you know, here's an idea that I'm thinking about just think about it okay let me know if you let see it you know let it stew for a little yeah. while and and maybe it it you know it it comes to something and maybe it doesn't okay. and maybe you know in a couple of weeks i go yeah okay forget that <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i don't know what i was you know yeah. <laughs> i was i didn't have much sleep that week you know whatever right you can um, still play with it right point, you though. have time to play with it so it's nice to be able to kind of have those preliminary conversations and i'm just you know thrilled to pieces to be working with her on an artistic level because we've known each other for so long now so yeah well she's been great everything i've seen her in yeah, so that's she's fabulous. Be great. Yeah. um and so you 
have background as an actor mm -hmm. as well as a director. Mm -hmm. So does that how does that influence your directorial Yeah, I think style? that um I think that um it influences me a lot because mm -hmm. I started as an actor. And so there's two things that I think I or well, there's probably more than that, but um there's at least two things. The one is that I I know what it's like to be there on stage. Mm -hmm. I know what the process is like. I know what that feels like. Right. I know what it feels like to have a to be in a show where I feel like I'm very supported by the director, and I know how it feels to be in a show where I feel like I'm not supported <laughs> by the director. Right. <laughs> I was thinking you're, and, you, you you know, know you've been in that headspace where you're saying where that I'm director is I'm is terrible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I I do I have learned a lot along the way about what not to do okay. as a director, mm -hmm. and you know I I think that there are still times where I find myself falling into that too because it's just it's a it's a tricky thing to communicate. Um, Anything, right. but especially things that are creative. It's hard to, to, to get what's in my head on the stage. Sure. It doesn't always work, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that there's always that challenge. But I do think that as an actor, just knowing that, being in those shoes, that I have hopefully a stronger communication with actors than I might had I not had that experience. Um, and I do think the other thing, you know, it's like I said, I've learned a lot about what not to do because I think, you know, your actors, ultimately actors, you're in a very vulnerable position. Right. And as a director, being aware of what that feels like and, and what things can kind of, you know, throw that off too. Right. It's nice to, to kind of be aware of that. And I'm not, you know, and then as a director, I'd be like, ah, you know, sensitive actors, just, just walk across and turn, <laughs> right. you know, open the door for God's sakes, right. you know, whatever. But so I think there's a fine line with that, but I do think that having knowledge of those other hats those other sides really help um help me become you know more of a, a compassionate and and creative artist than i might be without it yeah well it's interesting because i there's been a couple shows recently that had nudity in them mm -hmm. and yeah. i remember some of the conversations with yeah. people around those shows the last show at the firehouse desire under the elms yep. had nudity in it yep. and sometimes the theoretical of what it's going to be like being on stage and being naked and being that vulnerable yes. versus the reality. And yes. I'm sure as a director, you have to work through that Absolutely. stuff as it happens. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, I mean, obviously nudity is kind of a more visible one right. of being like, I mean, there's no, how do you, how are you more vulnerable ever? You Absolutely. know, I mean, that's right. pretty, that's pretty crazy. But I do think emotionally there's stuff that directors ask actors to do and it, if they aren't comfortable or ready to, to do that emotionally, then the show's not going to work. Right. You know, I can have in my head the greatest idea of some, you know, cathartic moment uh, <laughs> ever. Yeah. But if the actor isn't comfortable with that, if I haven't provided an environment where that moment can happen, you know, in a way that, that is organic or whatever, you know, whatever the actor needs, then, I, then that's not going to work ultimately. Right. So I think a lot of it is also sort of knowing the inside of it helps me get to the outside, I guess, you know. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, here... Firehouse, we're very close to VCU, mm -hmm. and so we're very familiar with the theater VCU mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> program. So you work for John Tyler. Um, sell me on John Tyler. Make me want to go I there. I will. I will, because <laughs> um, I really, you know, I... Um, I love John Tyler so much because, mm -hmm. it, and it is a very, very different school from VCU. And, and I, of course, admire and respect. And uh, VCU is an amazing program. And John Tyler is really something different. Um, the thing about John Tyler is that, first of all, you know, our classes are open to everyone. Okay. And so you don't have to be a theater major, per se, to take an improv class with me. And what I think that does is it just creates this tremendous diversity in the classroom that is, that, that truly, um, 
you know, it's kind of it's kind of even hard to describe what happens in that in those cases because there's been so many wonderful incidents over the years of things that I just never could have predicted coming out of having that diversity. And when I say diversity, I don't just mean uh, you know racial diversity right. or something like that. I mean I you know diversity in pretty much every way you can come at it, okay. including you know age and experience and desires and goals. Right. So you might have somebody in there who's known they wanted to be an actor since they were you know three and has been doing shows for years and has all kinds of experience in there with someone who um, just decided, you know, last week that they've always wanted to do this and they're going <laughs> to take a class, darn it, you know, right, yeah. um, and, you know, or somebody who has retired and said, you know, all my life, I really wanted to do this. I'm going to go do it. So I have students in classes that have, you know, these huge gaps and in, in, in experience and age and everything else. But what happens is when you make theater, you come together as, as you know, you create this family. And so it is so fascinating to me to always have these people who are coming from as, you know, far apart as you can get come together and make something and that is really really truly unique so that's probably my favorite aspect of the program I will also say that people are always really really surprised at the um, quality of our facilities and our program Uh, maybe I should have led with that I don't know (laughs) (laughs) but but really I mean we just got a you know brand new state-of-the-art black box theater multi-million you know dollar space that is that is really great it's as good as you'll find on any on any university campus Um, and students can come and learn and do stuff there that um you know like i said the quality is just as good and also you frankly you have more freedom i have students come to me every semester that say hey you know i wrote this play or i'm doing this thing do you want to put it up i'm like let's sit down and talk about it let's find a space let's make it happen so there's a lot of ways and i have students that are you know in the film program that want to do something sort of collaboration with theater there's a lot of collaboration there's a lot of freedom to kind of make your own path and if you aren't sure what your path is Mm -hmm. then there's a lot of freedom to explore that as well which i think is really important we get very focused and you know I see this with my kids you know I mean we're talking in middle school and and they're you know my my son when he hits sixth grade and they're like okay well let's look at you know specialty centers in college I'm like whoa you know he's <laughs> right. like ten, you know I'm like he's like 11 you know right yeah. I mean that's crazy <laughs> yeah. and and granted some kids know at that age sure. and some kids have a pretty clear path but you know if you don't then that's a lot of years of feeling like you aren't where your peers are or where other people are right. and I think at Tyler the great thing is is that that's that's okay like you can there's lots of people who, who aren't really sure what they want to do right. and they can have that space to explore so you can take a theater class you can yeah. take an art class you can you know go take a music class or you can take a welding class <laughs> right. I mean you know I actually would love to take a welding class yeah. but you know um so I mean there's there's all those opportunities there so I really think that that's what makes it really um fabulous and unique and if you haven't come out to campus and seen a show you need to because the theater's beautiful the students are amazing okay so yeah, yeah I, I think <laughs> about how hard it is to dabble these days yeah you know for exactly students they get exactly you know like you said in middle school and And also you know I mean we have lots of students um who are older who are retired who are coming back and just I mean I have my favorite one of my favorite things about doing my shows is my my senior audit folks you know who have uh you know are senior citizens and can audit classes can come take them for free at Tyler, and Ooh. so yeah, you can come take whatever it is that you've wanted to do, you know, and okay, come so take now it. Now you've sold me the whole senior citizen thing. <laughs> there being you go. On the, hey, being free on the edge senior of that. audit. Yeah, okay, I'll be there next week. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> come right. on in. Okay. Well, I think that's gonna do it for All us right. today. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. Oh, sure. Thanks for coming in. All right, Thanks. my pleasure. Okay, that has been the Firehouse Forum podcast, our first episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Just to recap a little bit, we had DJ Gray in here. 
He is the artistic director at Theater Lab, and Hedwig and the Angry Inch will be opening there Friday, December 8th. And we also had Jesse Johnson, who will be starring at the Firehouse Theater in Mary C. Brown in the Hollywood sign. That starts in previews on December 8th and then opens Saturday, December 9th. And finally, we had Kerrigan Sullivan, who will be the director of Wings at the Firehouse. Uh, and that you'll have to wait a little bit. Wait till next year. That's opening on February 17th. So we hope to see you out here for that. And uh, thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you in a couple weeks.